Welcome back to another episode of Gain, Grow, Retain. Today, uh, we've got uh, a good guest, a uh, special guest, somebody that uh, we've gotten to know over the years, uh, Rod Cherkis. Uh, if you don't know Rod, he's a well-respected consultant and advisor to chief customer officers and post-sale leaders. Uh, he has been an executive at several Silicon Valley's uh, most customer-centric companies himself, Intuit, RingCentral, Marketo, Gainsight, just to name a few. Uh, Rod, you just wrote a book, The Chief Customer Officer Playbook. Uh, tons, of ex- uh, tons of strategies in there for uh, the CCO, right, to be uh, accelerating their career, kind of making sure that they've got a seat at that executive table. Um, I know you do a ton of consulting work and other things now, too. It seems like you're a jack of all trades. So, uh, Rod, appreciate you coming on. Thanks, Jeff. Looking forward to talking with you today. So, I like to do just two uh, quick icebreakers just to get to know um, get to know people and uh, help hope the listeners get to know you a little bit better too. So uh, first question for you is if you were going to, uh, if you were on the show Jeopardy and the categories are being read, you know, um, what's a category that like, as it's being read, you're like, Oh, I'm going to dominate that from, like top to bottom. I'm going to know every one of those answers. Is there, uh, is there any sort of category or, uh, you know, random knowledge that you feel like, you know, that you're like, Hey, I could really crush that. Oh, uh, I, I, I think about when I go visit cities, I love to take in some sites or sort of famous restaurants that they have. Um, I was in Philadelphia last week and uh, got in really late at like 1030 and took my uh, daughter. We were going to visit schools and we went to a place called Pat's Steaks. So it's a famous cheesesteak place in the middle of Philadelphia. And I just had to have that. Haven't been there in years. So I like to kind of go visit and get a little little local touch uh, whenever I travel, which is really nice to be able to do again these days. I love that. Yeah. So, uh, you know, uh, restaurants and city travel is, uh, is your category. Uh, I like it. Yeah. We, uh, the answer that I typically give is like uh, when I was growing up and uh, kind of in, you know, formative years in college, I was just like that guy that would read the newspaper of like all sports stats. So like, I feel like kind of like early 2000s, sports, I could probably just crush because I just remember seeing there reading like every kind of box score or like article that was in the newspaper back when you had a physical newspaper. Um, and that was like the thing I did. So I just feel like maybe early 2000s sports, I could feel like I could uh, get a large number of, uh, of questions answered. So, um, all right. Second question for you uh, that I like to ask you is around uh, what is, if you were to describe like a perfect Sunday morning, uh, what's a perfect Sunday morning look like for you? You know, uh, when you're at home, kind of around the the house, what's it? You know, what's a what's it look like? What are you eating? What are you doing? What are the types of activities that you've got planned? Maybe uh, what's a what's a good going Sunday for Rod? Uh, a good Sunday morning um, could be this coming weekend or the next Sunday. I, I like to play tennis. So last couple awesome. of years, I've gotten back into tennis. And um, so Sunday mornings, I have a, a group of folks that I play tennis with. So that kind of gets me to about noon, uh, come home, walk the dog, and then have some type of activity with my family in the afternoon. So nice. it's, it's kind of is a nice, the, uh, nice way. Is the uh, tennis, is it like uh, like organized, um, like you have a league or is it just like you like people show up and you're just kind of playing singles and doubles on a Sunday morning? Yeah. No, I, 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 I have a, a group of folks that I play with at a, a tennis club that, that I joined a couple of years ago. So it's nice, nice to be able to get some exercise. I actually played tennis this morning already. There's like a, a cardio tennis at seven in the morning. So <laughs> it's just, it's good exercise. It's kind of social and it's, uh, yeah gets me out of the house when I'm sitting behind my desk here on Zoom a lot. 
Hey, uh, yeah, I, uh, yeah, I love that. I'm, uh, my exercise activity has gone down recently. Uh, I'm in the midst of moving houses here soon. So like, uh, I feel like once I move, I need to get back into like the routine of like mm-hmm. getting up and doing something, um, especially in like South Carolina, uh, early mornings are like great to do something. So, mm-hmm. you know, getting up and doing some tennis, um, I've gotten into pickleball a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, I bought my, my wife and I got a set for Christmas, uh, last year, or the year before I forget. And there's some pickleball courts around the house to, or uh, near our house. So, uh, that's been pretty fun too. A little, uh, you know, tennis is like, uh, is more of the, um, uh, aerobic activity than pickleball, but, uh, I still feel like it's uh, a good workout when you can do it. Outstanding. Uh, well, I know, you know, you, you've been an executive yourself in a number of these companies. You're now, um, you know, written a book and now you're doing, um, it looks like some consulting, uh, with people as well as they are, uh, kind of in these roles on their journey. So, um, I think a, an interesting, uh, aspect that we were chatting about before we hopped on here was, um, uh, this idea of, of getting repeatable results or, or, um, more predictable, um, results, you know, I think, um, the business is always looking for predictability because that means that they can, if we can forecast better, uh, that means we can make better business decisions about hiring and staffing, um, about maybe technology that we can purchase, resourcing, uh, that we can kind of bring to bear, uh, kind of changes how we think about our, um, kind of planning maybe three to five years out about the things that we can be doing. So, um, this idea of kind of predictable or repeatable results, um, I think is now, you know, really being looked at from a customer success organization because uh, in today's climate, it seems like retention uh, is the name of the game because uh, we're in a market maybe that there isn't too much growth that seems to be on the table. And so making sure we're kind of keeping what we have um, is extremely important. So I'm curious, as you've um, looked at this idea of, of helping executives and leaders kind of create this repeatability, um, what kind of stands out for you, you know, um, as you've maybe uh, helped people along this, you know, um, are there um, are there things that leaders, CS leaders specifically, should be doing that can help around this idea of uh, repeatable results? Yeah. So it, it, throughout my career, I've been a post-sale executive, as, as you mentioned earlier. I've worked at a number of fast-growing companies, some you know, some that were relatively small, and some that got to be big. And I've had a chance to work with a lot of leaders and be kind of thoughtful about continuous process improvement. Um, Two years ago, I started uh, my consulting business, Hello CCO, where I've had a chance to work with dozens of different leaders at different companies. And one of the things that I saw was that because the customer success function and the role of the CCO is still a relatively new function, that there's not a lot of sort of consistency and and sort of plans. And sometimes we talk about plays that leaders can confidently put in place to get particular outcomes, right? If you are a chief marketing officer or an evolving chief marketing officer, you kind of, you know what metrics you might be looking at, you know the different levers. And when you run into a certain business challenge, you have a pretty good sense of what levers to pull. Same thing on sales leaders. They come in and They get hired because they have a particular approach for a particular segment, and they sort of repeat that in this business. Well, in in our functions with customer success leaders and evolving CCOs, there's really not that track record of, hey, when we run into this issue, here's the levers that we pull. And that was one of the reasons that I felt it was important uh, to write the book, to write the the chief customer officer playbook was to help document and have a point of view about what are the different skills and strategies that 
leaders and aspiring CCOs and CCOs can put in place to help them both grow their careers and to help them achieve uh, these repeatable results. What I'm seeing right now in the market is that a lot of leaders um, are sort of coming out of Q4 and, for example, maybe their churn metrics uh, were a little bit lower off their their past path in Q4. And they were kind of crossing their fingers and hoping that things would turn around in Q1. Now they're looking at Q1. It didn't turn around. They're starting like they're panicking a little bit of, hey, what do I do? What's my, you know, like, what's my plan to turn around, you know, turn around retention? Or maybe they're getting to a place where they need to expand um, and their leadership is asking them to, to grow from their existing accounts more. Like, what's their plan? And so this concept of like, what skills somebody needs to be able to develop to have that plan to turn those around is I think something that, you know, is important for folks to develop. Yeah. And I think um, it's interesting too, because I, uh, I feel like the um, idea on like this, Hey, what are some of the levers to pull? Um, I would agree with you, right. It kind of seems like in some cases um, when you look at customer success, you know, in some cases, we actually might not know exactly, hey, if I pull this lever, here's what happens in the business, right? Or if I pull this other lever. lever. Um, but I also think in those cases, too, what you have to be able to do is maybe have a little bit of confidence in like, hey, maybe I don't know the answer right now, but I do want to run a hypothesis or a test where I can do it on maybe a small cohort of customers or a segment, um, try something that's maybe unique or different, um, and then kind of like, you know, move to the next thing. So, um, when you when you first brought that up about you know what what are things that people can be doing in terms of um, plays or repeatable pieces, how can we think about retention? There's kind of two things that jumped in my mind. And I'm curious if these are uh, maybe along your route, but I think the first is also is um, that I thought I was it was you know uh, customer success comes to the table and kind of owns retention, right? But that doesn't necessarily mean it's solely within your department uh, or your teams where that uh, number is kind of born out of. And so I would say too, like one, one of the things that popped in my mind was like, Hey, making sure that you feel like you're really in lockstep with the product leader to say, Hey, um, uh, you know, what's kind of on this roadmap that we feel like is going to um, help in the product, you know, help our customers achieve more business outcomes or, uh, you know, higher results or things that they're looking to achieve. Are there things that we're already planning to do that we, you know, know are coming um, or not? Can we make sure and align on those things? Just because I feel like sometimes you might fall in the trap of like, oh, I own the retention number. And like, you almost immediately think of like your team is the only way to accomplish that. And so I think uh, that was just my first thought was maybe like, hey, uh, yes, you have your team and like your resources kind of at your disposal um, in terms of how you can deploy them very easily. But also look to the other executive team leaders with you and say, hey, you've each got a hand in this, you know, sales, marketing and products. So like, what are the ways that you can kind of be bartering with them? Like, okay, hey, we need to improve this metric by five points next quarter or something, uh, renewal rates or retention rates. And so you know, hey, what effectively are we doing to make sure that you all are contributing to that too? Yeah. In the book, I talk about these eight strategies and skills that um, aspiring CCOs and CCOs need to develop. And I think there's three in particular uh, that are relevant for this discussion. One, um, and there's a whole chapter around this, of, of building cross-functional relationships because customer success leaders, CCOs, need to achieve outcomes, but they often can't do it with just the resources in their organization. So I, there's like, there's a number of stories and, and, you know, sort of things you can do in the book to work cross-functionally. Um, and I can come back to the topic. Second is to figure out how you communicate effectively about your priorities, your results, and, um, 
it, to your various stakeholders in the organization, right? A lot of this yeah. can come through storytelling, which I think is a really important skill for people to, um, you know, to have, because it's often not, a, you know, it's not easy to just show bullet points and show charts, but you need to bring it to life because yeah, customer success leaders are so close to it, but everybody else feels like their job's the most important job at the company, you know, and I get yeah. that the CCO and the customer success leaders, it really is. I get it, but you can't let others feel like their job's not important as well. So I think there's a concept of, you know, how do you communicate priorities and storytelling to get your organization moving? And then third is, you know, optimizing the metrics that matter, understanding what's really important to your organization right now, this quarter and next quarter, and making sure that you are, um, pulling the levers focused on it. So I think a lot of times people say like, well, what are your goals for the year? And they'll say, well, it's increase NRR and increase GRR. Well, that's like telling a sales leader that their goal is to sell. Like that doesn't tell you anything. Right? Yeah. yeah. Like, it, of course it is. Like that's the yeah. trick. The CFO's job is to have higher revenue and more profits. Okay. Like <laughs> Yeah, but everybody's is like, what's yours? What's your job? And so I think it's, um, you know, in, in that it can come down to having a really good discussion with your finance leader, at least whether that's your CFO or your finance business partner and having them be one of your closest pals. Uh, so that you really understand what's important to them. They're often interested in understanding how your part of the business contributes to results and what you can learn from them is like, what's like, what's important to the board? What's important to the CEO? What are the different levers that you can be pulling across your organization to get the outcomes? Cause they often have great visibility to that. Yeah. I think um, also the dovetail on that piece too. Uh, they they often can become allies when you start thinking also about uh, like you said, maybe breaking down your plan into more manageable parts, right? So, Hey, maybe we want to reach a certain retention metric this year, or maybe there's a certain renewal uh, metric that we were trying to to reach. And like you said, right, I, I start to break that down into uh, maybe quarterly targets or monthly targets, or you start breaking it down maybe by certain cohorts or segments of customers. And um, they can be a really good ally to help you um, hone in on the right cohorts, maybe make sure you're looking at the metrics and certain cadences in the right way, whether it's monthly or quarterly, right? They're ultimately going to be the ones, um, you know, as much as, as uh, customer success teams have ops functions and are getting better at data, um, at the end of the day, the finance team typically is the one that ends up, you know, uh, telling you actually how much ARR we have at the end of the day. And so like mm -hmm. their metrics are always going to kind of rule, we'll say at the end of the day. So um, as much as you can align to around like breaking down your problem or your kind of key targets with them, um, that also helps you to build some of the assumptions or models that maybe sales and marketing have become really good at, right? So sales and marketing kind of walk in and say, hey, for one new rep, I can do X, or maybe for a marketing campaign, I can expect Y. Um, and so for you to walk in and, and kind of partner with your finance leaders, say, hey, um, we need to reach 90% retention uh, or renewals in the next, next quarter or retention in this next quarter. Um, let's break that down into, okay, where are we gonna get that? Maybe it's by product or by segment um, or by cohort. Uh, that can be really powerful because then I think like you were getting or alluding to, right, that helps you to break down the problem into, okay, how can I go attack that this quarter, this month, rather than just a generic, hey, yeah, of course I need to know. I know I need to go re increase retention by this amount of points, but where can I go get that? And that's where I think the finance team comes in uh, really impactful.
Yeah, I, I think that's a great point. When I was interviewing um, leaders as I was writing the book, and I asked them what some of the sort of the career accelerators were and what were some of the most important aspects, like almost universally, they would say knowing their numbers having a good relationship with a finance leader so that if they weren't good at that part, then they had somebody that they could talk to that could help teach them and help them understand how the work that they did translates into the financial results that is really what the company and what your CEO care about, right? They yeah. don't really care about health scores. They don't really care about like notes and documentation. They fundamentally want to focus on like what are the outcomes that their their board and investors care about, which is sort of numbers, growth, and profitability. So the more you can understand and then communicate, going back to that storytelling, how the work that you and your team do contribute to those outcomes, right? You alluded to the fact that a marketing organization can say, hey, if you give me another $100,000 that they can almost calculate how many new leads they're going to get and the value of those leads. And if you went to the sales team and said, hey, I'm going to hire another sales AE, you're going to get this amount of quota in six months and 12 months. We don't really have that yet in customer success. We need that because that's what you know companies ultimately care about. Yeah, that helps the predictability, right? Um, and that's the and I think to the other piece that you were um, going down that I found really interesting over the the past number of um, maybe months that I've just had conversations with leaders is this um, this idea too of like um, running maybe running hypotheses or tests on certain cohorts in order to gather data um, that you could then kind of present back. So going back to your point, right? Like um, you know, kind of executives and boards. Um, you know, they care maybe less about your plan or the detail. They want you to have a plan. They want you to know those details um, and they want to help you pressure test that, right? But you are the one ultimately that needs to kind of come to the table with what is that plan, right? Like, so just like you said, uh, to start off our call today, right? It's, hey, we are, it's kind of like the Mike Tyson quote, if you remember that, where it's like, hey, I had a plan until I got punched in the mouth. Uh, mm-hmm. It's like, hey, we're, we're kind of punched in the mouth right now after a couple quarters, maybe of, of um, some lower retention numbers than we'd expect. And um, you can't panic now, right? But you kind of kind of rely back on, okay, did we have a plan for Q2? What's that look like? Is it still kind of a viable plan? Mm-hmm. If not, let's, let's make some of those adjustments. But um, I just keep coming back to this idea of trying to um, get leaders to be thinking more about tests. I think we've, um, marketing and sales teams tend to do this, right? They kind of run A-B tests or they run certain Mm -hmm. campaigns or messaging. And again, I think we've become a little gun shy in the customer success org because it's a customer who's already paying us and we can't kind of, we can't go wrong. We can't do anything that's really going to upset them. But I think um, us running a test or kind of using certain, uh, maybe we, uh, maybe it's, we insert a different type of cadence with the CSM team, or maybe we're, you know, rolling out new um, kind of one-to-many campaigns, or maybe we have a different call uh, or webinar that we're going to introduce them to those, those things all, um, I think like benefit the customer and we shouldn't be as gun shy of maybe testing some of those things. Yeah. Um, maybe as we've, we've been here in the past. Yeah. When I work with my clients, I find that one of the strategies that can be helpful is to take an approach to segmentation and define what are the different experiences and off, you know, basically like what are the offerings that you want to have for customers in different segments and you can always adjust it and you can always say, well, I thought this customer might be in a sort of a lower tier segment. I'm going to move them up because they have more potential. But it at least gives you that opportunity to do this testing, to differentiate, and going back to the um, sort of 
optimizing for your financials is match the investment that you're making in that customer or customer segment to the value that they provide in your organization. And I believe that too many companies that I work with don't differentiate that experience early enough. And they sort of overinvest in companies that, um, that, that aren't really worth investing in. And particularly now when companies are under pressure to improve efficiency or they don't have enough resources, they don't, they don't feel like they have enough resources um, to support them, then they have to prioritize and, and do some of these tests that I think are super healthy, actually. Um, I did a webinar yesterday with Insight Partners and, and the CS and CCO leaders at their companies uh, where we talked about segmentation, we talked about different ways that they can improve efficiency, um, the use of self-service, the use of uh, sort of universities and academies, uh, documentation, webinars, community. Like, what are some of the ways that you can create leverage in your organization and kind of get away from this reliance that we've had for the last couple of years of, oh, we assign a CSM and the CSM is the, the interface. Well, that isn't particularly scalable. Um, it's less scalable now as companies are questioning the resource allocation and just need to, you know, find uh, resources to invest in other parts of the company. But I think this whole process is going to be quite healthy in forcing customer success leaders to think about how they can scale, how they can leverage one to many resources. Yeah. Um, I just wrote a post on that this morning, actually, on LinkedIn that, uh, you know, uh, kind of saying something similar, right? Which is we've almost become over-dependent on this CSM mm -hmm. relationship. And that also um, it has like bitten us in the past too, right? Because it becomes a single thread um, when really what you're trying to do is develop um, relationships that have your customer be have a relationship with many people at your organization and actually with your brand, right? That you want them to be able to uh, kind of know where they can go, what they can do. Um, and those things I think have been uh, in the past, I think we've kind of thought about them as like a, a lesser than experience. And so we've kind of said, hey, we'll, we'll kind of give them to maybe a lower segment of customers. But I think, you know, now we're kind of seeing the benefit, like you said, like, hey, that, that almost becomes the base level experience of like, hey, everyone should be able to go access, you know, the one to many resources or the community or the knowledge base or the, the things that, you know, uh, kind of have those um, uh, leverage type qualities. Um, and then now, like you, I think you were alluding to, now we can really optimize like the CSM's time and, okay, where should you be spending the right time on, on these accounts? Um, and then that's where I think the idea of uh, kind of getting into those different segmentation models really helps you to start honing it. Like, okay, yes, this is where I'm willing to make the investment or make the time. Um, and you can then kind of back that up with the math um, behind it too, right? If you kind of segment in the right way and you think about your resourcing in that way too. Yeah. And th this process has happened in a couple of the post-sale functions. So think about like 20 years ago, uh, technical support organizations were mostly go to our website and call us. And that was fine for a while because yeah. customers needed the ability to get help when, you know, software was still relatively new and then companies needed to improve and they couldn't keep hiring support engineers because it got more expensive. So they started having, you know, self-service websites and, product documentation that was right in the interface and focus on making products easy to use so that you can support many more customers without having to, you know, hire live people to provide that support. This happened in sales and marketing, where you used to have salespeople that were doing outbound calling, uh, and then the internet happened. And instead of having to 
talk to a salesperson about the product and benefit, you could go to the website and get information, or you could watch a video and learn more about it or watch the demo. And I think the same process is likely to be happening in customer success, where it started by having people work with customers to learn what they need and what those processes are. And now for better or worse, some teams are being forced to think about how do you automate some of that, or how do you make it available in a more scalable one-to-many model or putting it into a university around use cases um, so that you know we'll be able to service much larger groups of customers without necessarily needing to hire people at the same rate that your business is growing. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I totally agree with that too. And I think the your, your point too about the storytelling piece actually plays a big role for your teams, right? As they were deploying these kind of one-to-many strategies as well, right? You've got to become, um, your teams, you know, have to kind of use storytelling elements to make sure that uh, they're engaging the customer mm-hmm. in this way, right? It's kind of different than when I'm in a room with you, I can be engaging in a certain way. I can, you know, one-to-one call or maybe a QBR, I can kind of engage you uh, in that way. But now it's, hey, we've got a little bit more reliance on like, hey, can I kind of captivate you via maybe an email or um, an in-product notification or something that drives you to um, kind of where I need you to go. So the storytelling aspect, I think also kind of plays down into your teams. Like, hey, can I entice the customer enough to do the, you know, to, to leverage these resources in the right way so that, you know, they get the answers in the timely manner that they're looking for. Um, and again, we can kind of use our resources in the right way, kind of, um, you know, maybe doing other things. Yeah. I mean, perhaps for a future uh, podcast, we can come in and talk about this concept of storytelling. But the the quick takeaway here is I think it's a very um, sort of underdeveloped skill that customer success leaders and aspiring CCOs develop. Kind of talk about the numbers and you get really good in interacting with customers and managing your organization. But one of the things I learned as I was writing the book and um, you know hearing lots of other people's stories was the importance of being able to uh, let your audiences learn from the experiences of others, not by, hey, here's a bunch of bullets that I put on my slide, but letting yeah. feel like they're in that customer interaction. Uh, there's somebody that maybe you've met and talked to, Star Hofer, who's the who was the chief customer officer at, at Partner Stack, and she was talking about how effective um, her ability when she thinks about her superpower. She thought it was her ability to tell stories, and she would invite um, the organization to let her talk at every company all hand, and you know, in her meetings and in sales um, all hands to be able to communicate what's happening in the customer's world through the use of a particular example. And I think, you know, your your audience should be thinking about uh, how do you let others learn through the stories that you're, you know, you're either seeing with your customers or the teams that you're, you're leading um, cross-functional. It gives everybody an opportunity to see the impact of, of what they do on real customer experiences. Yeah, the um, I love that call out. Maybe of like an under underdeveloped skill. Uh, I know we just have a couple minutes left, so I'm curious too. Is there another um, kind of underdeveloped skill maybe that comes to mind for you? Of like, hey, you know, here's something that you know maybe has been holding some people back, or here's something to think about. Maybe um, just trying to work on as like a a skill that you feel like you see in a lot of CCOs or executives. Yeah, um, and there's a chapter in the book about this as well, of building cross-functional relationships. There are three in particular that I'd encourage 
sort of customer success leaders, CCOs, aspiring CCOs to develop. One is with their product peers, the product leaders, so that they can, you know, sort of be working together, collaborating on the product experience. Second is with their sales leaders, so that they're completely aligned on how the post-sale teams and the sales teams are working together. And then the third, as we talked about this earlier, with your finance leader, uh, making sure that you understand um, your metrics and how to optimize the results for your business and that you're in lockstep with what the company needs from you. Now, clearly there are lots of other relationships you could have with your peers, but I would focus on um, on those three. Yeah, and just to pull on that thread a little bit too, right? Like I've, um, I've often found, uh, you know, you can certainly try and schedule some one-on-ones with those people and, um, you know, you can kind of get regular cadences with them. Um, I've also found um, something recently that uh, I just feel like can help you stand out as well, which is like um, I've been in some cases with some leaders across the business, just been sending like uh, a little Friday update that's like from me. Right. And it's not novel. It's not new, but like, I feel like it's just stuff that um, maybe doesn't happen as frequent or happen as often um, as people think nowadays. And so you can kind of catch somebody um, in those moments. That's like a good thing for you. So it's like, Hey, you know, um, Hey, here's my Friday update. Here's just a couple of things that I think you might find interesting in your role, right? Like, Hey, these are things that might be something that we should talk about in the future. Um, and again, kind of making it about them and like your interpretation of things, maybe that your team has done that would impact or benefit the business and something that they would care about. So, um, that's just a little thing I've, I've found recently that again, not novel or, or new, but I just feel like little things like that can make you kind of stand out from like a typical, Hey, let's meet one-on-one or Hey, let's, let's kind of, uh, maybe get a meeting on the books. So, um, uh, just something I've found recently. Yeah. Build relationships with the peers, with their organizations. It's particularly hard now when we're in zoom and a lot of our interactions are a bit more transactional. Um, yeah. I used to try to get myself invited to all of the sales, all hands, for example. So every month I would try to make sure that we had, you know, five or seven minutes to share something that we were working on, um, something we, we were collaborating on. Maybe there was a, like we, we updated a sales handoff process. Um, and, you know, me and the sales leader that were working on it would sort of co-present or we'd share results or we'd tell stories from a customer that was successful or not, but they get to know you personally. Um, and, and I think that's really important uh, for leaders to do. So invite yourselves to all hands, do like a little bit of a road show periodically to, you know, you go to the sales leader, the product leader staff meeting and invite them into yours and just yeah. have to be a dialogue. Um, it can just building those relationships, getting to know each other, appreciating how hard uh, everybody's job is. Uh, one, yeah. of, one of the funny things is I, you know, I know that everyone really, the, the customer success leader job is the most important job at the company. <laughs> but when you go talk to peers and, and there's a, a chapter in my book where I talk about like questions you can ask when you're sort of building these relationships with your peers, you start to understand that everybody, all of your peer executives feel like their job is the most important one at the company. Yeah, It's actually great, right? Everybody, you just have to appreciate the fact that everybody's working hard and that you're you're going in the same direction. Yeah. I also, you've uh, used this phrase a couple of times that I like, which is inviting yourself to, you know, like sometimes you kind of are sitting around waiting, oh, maybe the sales leader invite me to their all hands or something. But in some cases, right, you kind of do have to put yourself out there and just say, hey, I've got some great stuff to share. I'd really love to come to your next one. Like when's the schedule, Mm -hmm. right? So I think not being shy, having some of that confidence. I think, again, you've kind of used that intentionally, it feels like over the last uh, couple of minutes. And so I think I kind of picked up on, hey, you know, feel confident and like, 
hey, I, I feel like I should be at that venue, right? We should be telling you all some of the things that we're doing with the customers, you know, for a new sales team, once you close them, here's what we're doing with them when they become customers. Yeah, you have to own your own career development. On my website at rodchurgis.com, there is a resources tab. And um, I did a webinar recently about this and you can download a template that's sort of a goal setting template around these eight skills that I talk about in the book because your success isn't just you know, did you hit your retention numbers? Because sometimes it's out of your control. Sometimes you work at a company where the attach, you know, the retention rate's really high, and sometimes it's really lousy. And you know, you can control it on the margins. But there's a lot of skills that you can be developing, regardless of how your metrics are coming out, and having that discussion with your manager and being proactive about developing those skills, building those cross-functional relationships having points of view about thought leadership internally or with customers or in, you know, other public settings, um, understanding your metrics and what's behind them, building your communication skills. So, you know, my, my encouragement to folks is to be deliberate about building the skills that will make you increasingly effective in your job so that you can deliver these predictable results. Like you'll you'll have things that happen in the environment that are out of your control. Silicon Valley Bank screws up the last two weeks of the quarter. Like, what are we going to do? Everybody has to yeah. deal with that. But what's your plan to recover? And yeah. um, do you have a plan? I developed, um, real quickly, I want to hit on, um, so I, I developed this model called a CCO-dometer and it's basically a gauge where you sort of move along in your career from different stages of sort of certainty of how well you can deliver against the expectations from your company. And like the first stage, for example, is a stage of uncertainty where you're not entirely sure what you're doing. You're new in a role. You're kind of winging it. And then there's a stage of optimism where you start to develop some plays, you're starting to see some results, you have a point of view, some of the things are working, but like you said earlier, you're testing, you're learning. Then you get to a stage of competence where you have a plan, it's getting executed, things are repeatable, they're often documented, and you know the company is starting to have confidence in you that you can deliver repeatable, not just getting yeah. lucky but getting repeatable. And then the last stage is a stage of reliability where your CEO, your CFO, your peers feel like you've got a plan. When things happen, they know you're going to be proactive um, about addressing it. Um, you're seeing consistently strong results and are able to like make good long-term decisions. And so I encourage people to think about you know where they are on this sort of CCO-dometer, on this um, range of how confident you are and how confident your organization is in your ability to deliver these repeatable results. That's awesome. Yeah, I'll check that out. Um, Rod, I know we're uh, getting up at the end of our time here. Where's um, where's the best place people can find more? I know you mentioned rodcherkis.com uh, earlier. Is that uh, where people can get some of these resources in your book or is there another yeah. place they should go? People can go to rodcherkis.com and get information about my consulting and advising services that I offer. Uh, my book, uh, Chief Customer Officer Playbook, is available on Amazon and paperback and Kindle. And so um, it's been a ton of fun watching people read that. It's been incredibly well received by our customer success community and the CCO community. And they can follow me on LinkedIn. I post a couple of times a week and try to make them, you know, make my topics very actionable uh, things that people can apply uh, in their day-to-day -day life. And that was really the purpose of the book as well. It's, 
you know, actionable information, skills that people can be developing. And that's the feedback that I'm getting is people really appreciate the fact that, you know, it's like super specific. It's really easy to read um, and, uh, you know, easy to apply to their work. So, um, and awesome. if people want to get in touch with me directly, they can email me at rod at hellocco.com. Perfect. Well, uh, we appreciate you spending the time. I think there's um, a ton of good nuggets in here just about uh, you know, thinking about the time and, and kind of uh, space that we're in now, thinking about repeatability, predictability for your business. Uh, we mentioned a couple of different skills around storytelling, around cross-functional relationships uh, that, that leaders should be thinking about building. So I think there's a ton of good nuggets uh, that you've dropped in here and uh, excited to, to see how people respond to it. Great. Thanks so much for having me, Jeff, and uh, look forward to talking to you again soon. Awesome. Hey, everybody, Jay here. Thanks for tuning into the podcast. You know, this started as a labor of love for Jeff and I a couple of years ago, and it's really turned into a movement around customer success and community, and we couldn't be more thrilled to be a part of it. Um, we grow this by word of mouth, so we'd, we'd love it if you're willing and you find value in what you hear on this podcast. Leave us a rating or a review on, on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. It'll help us grow and, and provide value to more customer success professionals. Also, if you haven't yet, please sign up for Gain, Grow, Retain, the online community. It's gaingrowretain.com. You can meet other people, make one-on-one -on -one connections, share ideas, ideas, get ideas, grow your career ultimately. Um, be on the lookout also for live events, both in person and virtual this year. We're excited to get back to that. And thanks for being part of the community. We look forward to talking to you soon. <laughs>